Hello and welcome back to the CA Catalyst podcast, Small Firm, Big Impact. I'm your host, John Skull, Chief Executive at Malik McLean. It probably won't surprise you that the majority of consumers and SMEs consider specialist knowledge as being the most important driver in choosing an accountant. But as a CA, it's not as easy as just picking a specialisation and pursuing it. There's a few questions to answer first, such as, how do you successfully choose what to specialise in? And how do you make sure you don't lose out by specialising too narrowly? Just where is that sweet spot of specialisation, and how do you find it? That's what we're going to answer for you in this episode of Small Firm Big Impact. Along with my expert guests, we'll explore how to choose your field of expertise so you can establish yourself as a trusted leader and capitalise on your wealth of skills, knowledge and experience. We'll cover both specialisation of field as well as by sector. With me to share their insights and advice are two people that I guess you could say specialise in specialising. Kelly Chard, founder and director of Growth MD, a niche accounting firm working in the health industry, and Brad Turville, director of Modern Firm Practices, who specialises in practice and business development for suburban accounting firms. Kelly, Brad, welcome to you both. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. My first question is, how do you choose specialisation? Brad, how did you get started? At Modern Firm Practices, I work with accounting firms, so just by default, there's already an industry specialisation there built in but I only work with suburban firms, so at the smaller end of town. And so that comes from 15 plus years as an accountant, a lot of that owning my own firm. I've just built my own specialty and just been able to take a lot of my best practices out and be able to now deploy them in suburban firms. And I guess it's just a passion of mine always being in the industry and my family in the industry, knowing what worked well in my firms and seeing that as opportunities for a lot of other firms to be able to implement some of those practices. And Kelly, how did you choose your specialisation? Well, I'd love to say that it was a really well-crafted, decisive choice, but how it happened and what probably happens for a lot of accountants, I would say, is that you start working with a broad range of clients often and you suddenly amass a few clients in a particular industry and you think, wow, I really like working with this industry. I really connect with these people. I can add value to this group of clients. And then it goes from there. So that's what happened with me. I was working with a handful of medical practices, started getting some more medical practices. And then when it came time to start my own firm, it was really a decision, well, let's go the whole hog and just work with health practices now. Brad, when was that moment that you decided you were going to work with accounting practices? Because that wouldn't be something that most accountants would even think about doing, let alone find that juncture point where they're going to take that leap from regular clients to professional accounting clients. It sort of came by chance. I had a few mates of mine come to me and wanted to know how we were doing a few things in our firm. And from there, the commitments grew and grew and it started to build out its own little business model. So as I slowed down in public practice, there was an opportunity to ramp up in that space and I enjoyed it. And it was a bit of IP, I guess, that I had that was just our know-how came quite easy. And so what was that point where you started specialising exclusively with accounting firms? I think when I was looking around thinking, I don't think I want to be in practice anymore in a traditional firm. I wanted out, the team wanted to take over and the work with accountants, suburban accountants was taking off and some partnerships I'd put in place took off. And for me, it made sense to have a crack down that avenue. And Kelly, when you started in your business, was it exclusively with those medical practitioners? Actually, it wasn't. We had a false start. I was really nervous to go out to the market and say, we're only working with this particular type of client. I think for years I'd worked in a very sort of multidisciplinary firm. 
with lots of services and lots of different client industries. So to go so narrow was really scary. We were still working with a lot of medical practices. That was still the bulk of our client list, but we were not marketing ourselves as such. We were out there just sort of as accountants in Brisbane. And three months in, I got some advice from somebody and I really thought about our current clients and who I wanted to work with moving forward and where I saw the opportunities. And we rebranded went out, relaunched as just for health and medical practices. And in hindsight, it was just the best thing we could have done. So that sounds like a decision that you made in a short period of time, Kelly. Brad, it sounds like yours might have been a bit of a longer journey. How long do you think it was between going from a traditional client-accounting relationship to an accountant-accountant relationship? I'd probably say it was about 18 months. It definitely did start slow, and that's just because it wasn't a core focus for me it was just giving back a little bit to the industry. And I know a lot of accountants, you know, help out a lot of their mates and their colleagues and peers in the industry, and I was no different. Mine just grew some legs quite quickly. And then over those 18 months, especially through some key partnerships, it was able to go out on its own. So both of you specialise quite narrowly and quite deep and in different sectors. What advice do you have for those people looking to specialise and looking to get into a particular sector or a particular field? I think it's really something that you have to think very carefully about. I would definitely not encourage anybody to pinpoint an industry that they don't have a lot of experience in and sort of say, yep, that's it. I'm going to nail that one. That's where the money is or that's where the clients are. Because once you commit, it takes a long time to build up your skill set. As Brad said, you end up developing your own IP. You're really committed. So you want to make sure that you've picked the right industry. It's really hard to then jump ship, in my opinion, after years of putting that hard work in. So you're going to be stuck there. So you've got to love it. So if you're picking aged care because you see that's where there's going to be a lot of opportunity in the future, but you don't like working with the people or organisations in that space, or you don't like the digital tools and tech that that industry uses, then you've probably made the wrong decision. So I think you have to be really careful about how you choose Certainly there's some congruence in the story around mastery and finding that purpose, finding that level of enjoyment, finding that niche where you get to provide something that you can really establish value through that gets you perhaps a higher revenue base. But at the same time, loving coming to work, loving what you do and taking a real interest in seeing those clients learn. Let them grow while creating that IP that sets you apart from the rest. Brad, have you found that becoming a specialist has actually grown your advisory work? Yeah, 100%. There's three areas that I look at for firms looking to specialise, whether they're going to specialise as a firm or they're just going to do a specialised marketing campaign. So they'll still be open to accepting other clients, but they're just going to do a certain push in a certain area, which is sometimes a nice testing ground before you go all in. And so those three areas looking at is, do you have a certain specialty in an area? It could be an industry, a sector, or an actual specialty like risk or valuation. So you've got actually something to contribute in that space. The other one is, do you actually like those people? So if Kelly really didn't get on with and didn't like medical practitioners, it's going to be hard work. And the third piece there, I guess, is around your business model. Do they have the capacity to pay you for how you want to work with them? So you might really like them and you've got something to contribute and you might have a big sort of service offering. But if it's not a good, say, service to industry or specialist match, then they might not have the capacity to take you up on that type of offering. You're really going to struggle. Mm. And Kelly, have you found the same result with your advisory work? Oh, yeah, definitely. 
The new client inquiries that we have now would be more weighted towards advisory than they are compliance. It wasn't that way a couple of years ago and we probably haven't even done as much of a marketing push or anything for that work that we could have. It's just organically growing and it's really sort of easy to go into advisory. Every conversation that I have with a client now tends to have more of an advisory bent just because I know so much about that particular industry. So the conversations are not compliance or tax based now. They're about, well, what are my competitors doing? How can my business be better? What tools are specific for medical practices that are having my problems? How can I digitize my medical practice? So that work is coming so much more readily to us now without any sort of hard active pursuing from us. And it's been really great because my team, who are primarily very young people, you know, in their 20s and early 30s, have got access to really great sort of advisory work that they probably wouldn't have access to if they were working in a generalist firm and working more on tax returns and things like that. When I listen to you both, it feels like you've naturally found your place, but you must have talked to people, confided in them, sought coaching from people around what your journey was going to be and whether you should take those steps. Kelly, can you share with me who you leaned on, who you got the information from and how you actually took those first steps towards the specialisation you're currently in? I do have a mentor that I work with and he is a big fan of niching. So he was very much in favour of the idea and he was the person that convinced me to go whole hog after the three months after my shaky start. I think you do need to ask around and talk to people and do your research. Before I went whole hog and said, we only work with the health industry, I was checking out my competition. So some people I knew, some people I didn't. I was talking to my clients about what it was that I was doing for them that they valued. And I was thinking about how I could also not commoditize, but how I could streamline that to offer it to a broader group of clients in a better way. And do you think you would have gone as deep as quickly if you didn't have a mentor? Potentially not, because I think as accountants, we can often be a little bit conservative or a little bit apprehensive about taking a big step like that. My mentor really gave me the push that I needed or the confidence to take that extra step. And Brad, did you have anyone that you talked to about the specialisation opportunity that you had in front of you? Yeah, I think someone that contributed a lot to where I wanted to go was Mark Jenkins from The Gap, who's been featured on this podcast before actually. And he was someone that had been in practice and had gone out and commercialized a lot of his IP. And he had also worked with a lot of accountants in a similar fashion to how I do now. And so that was great to also lean on someone that's been there, done that, and I could learn a lot from it and he could help guide me through it. And it's great to bounce some of your ideas off someone else, just to give you a little bit of guidance and probably a little bit of confidence as well to go, you know what, I think I'm good to give this a go. So again, another common theme between both of you is that you both had mentors that you leaned on for advice as you look towards the possible journey of specialisation. So we've talked about specialisation, we've talked about niching, we've talked about the particular fields that we're in. Can you give me some examples of the services that you provide to your clients as a specialised niche, field or area? Kelly? We do the stock standard 
tax and compliance work for medical practices and health organisations. However, we also venture into the advisory space. So things like business valuations, business improvement, board of advice, digital transformation for health businesses. We do a lot of networking, I guess, between our clients as well. So connecting clients, some of our clients are in, say, health tech, We connect them and what they're developing in health tech with our clients that are medical practice who are users. There is definitely a broader offering that we give to our clients. And it's interesting because if you asked me to do a valuation for a property developer company or a chain of restaurants, I could do the basic valuation work, but my industry knowledge, I wouldn't back myself to do it for that industry. Whereas when we're looking at health, business valuations, because I know what the market's doing, we have lots of comparable data, we have clients you know, buying and selling all the time. It's something I'm really confident in. By specialising it, it really has helped us broaden our service offering to that niche client group. And because of that, Kelly, do you think you're a more confident problem-solving seller than you were perhaps before as a general practitioner? We have so much information now about what is happening with our clients and what the person that owns the practice in the next suburb is doing that you might not be doing and how that can impact on your profitability or solve a particular problem for you. It really has cut down a lot of time on research. A client can ask us a question now. We basically know a lot of the work and the answers already because 90% of the work we do can probably be applied across our client group. So it does help us to work faster and it helps us to provide more timely advice to our clients and also to identify the things that the clients don't know yet. So to be able to be really proactive and say, hey, there's this new solution out there, you're not using it, but we know that nine out of 10 other medical practices are. We want you to get on the ball with this because we think it's really going to be useful in your business. Being able to offer that sort of advice does come a lot easier, I think, than if you were a a general practitioner where you have to keep up with a lot of different industries. And so what's it like for your team operating in such a tight niche where they're able to call on a similar type of IP and workflow on a continual basis that keeps adding value to every client, no matter how little time it actually takes? They like it. I think it cuts down a lot of frustration. They've had to hone their skills to know that now if we do something for one client, we need to systemize that or we need to document that or put it in a format where we can use it again because chances are somebody's going to ask us next week or next month as well. I think one of the misconceptions with niching heavily is that you're really pigeonholed into just one type of work. But I don't really believe that's the case. So, for example, with our medical practice clients, we obviously have the business, but then the owners are usually doctors. Doctors often have SMSF, property development. They might be joint owners of another business outside that industry. So, we do tend to get a fair bit of exposure and the team do get a fair bit of exposure to other areas as well. So it sounds like a specialisation just allows you to dig deeper into every client's financial fears and help them grow their own wealth over time. Absolutely. And Brad, you're working with accounting firms, so you must be guiding these clients to navigate, change and carve out their own paths. What advice are you giving to accountants around what they need to be doing to either specialise or to add more value to clients? I've got something I like to talk about, which is called maximise your existing clients. A lot of firms have so much potential already sitting in their current client base 
but they're usually a bit on the hamster wheel, just keeping up being over capacity and dealing with compliance. It just starts with some basic planning. You know, where do you want things to go? What do you want them to look like? It might also include what you want things not to look like. Also, for some firms, they've already got a specialty within the firm. They just don't even know it. And so just going back and looking through your client list and looking for some trends, it might be a business size, it might be a sector, it might be industry, it might be services that you offer to them. It could be demographics and psychographics. And to give you one quick story, I spoke to an accountant about a month ago. It's about a four or five partner firm. And I asked them what type of clients do they work with and what sort of work do they want to win? And they said, oh, look, just anything. It was very blasé. And once we dug a little bit deeper, they just sort of told me that oh, we've actually got 100 supermarkets that we looked after. <laughs> and they said it as if that was nothing. We've just got 100 in here. I went, hey, hang on a sec. And then when we drilled down on it, they've got specialist IP and special ways that they work with them on top of compliance. And I said, that's your specialty. And the answer was, oh, yeah, well, I guess we have got one. So it's being a little bit more commercial as well about it and looking at what you've got and maybe identifying, you know what, we, we might already have a specialty or we may be five steps out of 10 already towards it. It just needs to be developed and refined a little bit more and they could go down that path. So it's quite interesting. Mm. <laughs> well, that really typifies what a lot of accountants actually think. They often don't stand back. They don't have a look at what their client book actually looks like and see the opportunities that actually lie right in front of them. So I think that there's actually a lot of latent opportunity. And I think that also goes to the point that these things tend to happen organically or they evolve over time. You know, like in Brad's example, they already had most of the way towards a specialisation that's obviously evolved over a number of years rather than sitting down one day and saying, let's specialise in supermarkets. (laughs) So Brad, are you seeing any changes or increases in specialisation because of COVID? I think especially in Australia... Accountants have just been so busy keeping on top of compliance and JobKeeper, it would not have been at the top of the list. The little bit of a silver lining there is they've got this opportunity to sit back and do a little bit of planning and decide on the the future of their firm. But I think they've got that choice and that opportunity. You know, They've got permission to go and evolve their business however they want, which I think is an important point. You might have run your firm the same way for 20 years, You don't have to run it for the same way for the next 20 years. You can paint the picture however you want. And so I would say to a lot of firms, have a think about where you want to go to from here. And it might still be the same journey, but I think that's just a wise part of operating a business and deciding where you want to take things. So it sounds like it's all about having great communication, Brad. Is that about us having more in-depth conversations with our clients to find out where the gold is? Well, I think every accountant should be having more in-depth discussions with their clients. That's something I've always been really passionate about, maximise your existing clients. And the way you do that, the silver bullet to it, is just by having conversations, talking to them, asking questions, showing interest, finding out where they want to take things, what do they like, what don't they like. And of course, accountants have got permission to do it. They just need to pick up the phone. In fact, your clients already know, like, and trust you. And the most likely person to work closer with you and buy more services from you is already your existing clients. So it just takes the initiative from the accountant to reach out, even if it's just from a place of empathy going, hey, how are things going with you? Hey, I know JobKeeper's ending. What does that mean? What are you going to do? What are you going to do next? So it's about the accountant finding a small segue to start a conversation and just be curious? Yeah, I agree. And even if you haven't done this before, you can just say to the client, look, 
I know we've never worked like this before. I have probably never asked you these questions before, but I'm going to start doing it now. You could literally start with that opening line. If you've never done it before, the best time to do it was yesterday. The second best time to do it is today. So are you seeing a trend towards more specialisation? I would like to see more of a trend towards specialisation. What I am starting to see more rumblings of is firms interested in building out a, a small core advisory offering. Absolutely. Clients are absolutely looking for more. So we've got self-managed super funds. We've got business valuations. We've got risk, financial planning and forensic accounting. Kelly, you touched on quite a few of these when you talked about your sector-specific specialisation being in the medical arena. You also mentioned that you're doing business valuations, you're probably doing financial planning, you're probably looking at self-managed super funds, and you're probably dealing with risk. So can you just talk to me a little bit about why the medical sector allows you to work across all those different fields? With most industries, if you are going to niche in an industry, you are still going to have exposure across the range of specialisations. Just because you're with medical practices as opposed to restaurants, it doesn't mean that you're not both going to be doing SMSF, that you'll need to call in a financial planning expert, that there could be an insolvency event at some point. You know, all of these things still happen because we're still just dealing with business and tax and accounting. The field that I work in, medical and health, is synonymous with property developments and investments and things like that. We still have quite a big need to act in those areas for our clients. And I mentioned before business valuations. I actually haven't done any of the CA specialization qualifications as yet. So I am looking at the business valuation qualification at the moment. Even though I'm niched in medical practices, the demand that I'm getting for business valuation work and transactional sort of buy and sell work for the medical industry is getting so large now that I feel that I may need to actually go and do that formal qualification with CAANZ. So I think just because you're niched in one group doesn't mean that you can't even sort of branch that out into the specialisations as well. I think it just depends on what demand there is for your particular services. Brad, you're working with a lot of accounting firms that perhaps are considered more traditional. So what do you think the future holds? What piece of advice would you give to them about going to a specialist area? I would definitely cover off on some of the things we've spoken about today. Where can you drill down and contribute something to a certain sector? You know, what are the clients that you like working with and do they have the capacity to pay you? I think that's a great starting point, even as a bit of a Venn diagram, to start to see, well, you know, what elements of that are starting to drift towards the centre, which is the sweet spot. And I guess, do we have the capability in-house to be able to deliver on that? Or do I need to invest maybe a little bit in building out our skill sets and capability, which can be one way to go about doing it. You might be okay in a certain sector. Uh, there's no reason why you can't drill down, You know, bring a mentor on board, maybe get some further education to build out the IP in that space. Essentially, you know, go from there. So the number one thing is that we all need to get help? Yeah, I think so. I find it's always fun to go on the journey with someone as opposed to doing it on your own, and especially someone that's been there, done that. It's just going to help fast track some of the roadblocks you're going to hit anyway. Let's just hit them quicker and hit them with someone and help navigate it just to mould things uh, a little bit more in your favour. So Kelly, for you, what were the benefits of specialisation? Was it the credibility? Was it the increased word of mouth referrals? 
Yeah, so it definitely was the chance to build my profile in an area and my firm's profile in a particular area and with a particular target audience. So I do a lot of content for medical practices and health professionals via social media and and that sort of thing. And that's been such a great prospect driver for us. And it's been really great in being able to position me as an expert in that particular field. So by being able to just concentrate on here's a new piece of tax legislation, how does that affect a health practice? And then being able to convey that message has really been able to position me as that expert. And I think that's really difficult. I think it's one of the things that I previously struggled with. So I worked with a broad range of clients for 13 years before I specialised with health. And It's really difficult to not only keep up with tax legislation and and different reporting requirements, but to be able to know how they fit into different industries. So at one stage, I had um, an R&D entity. I was looking after a mining company. I had medical practices. I had retailers. I had trades. To know how every change or or everything that is happening out there in in the economy or in business impacts on all those different areas of industry can be quite challenging. It really helps to just focus on that one segment and get that right. And are there any downsides to specialisation? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You would want to be very careful to call yourself a specialist unless you can back it up. So if you go out there and tell the world, hey, I'm the you know expert in health, I know everything about health, come to me, I'm taking on new clients and your clients front up and you don't know what you're talking about, you get something wrong, that will spread like wildfire and you will lose credibility really quickly. So it's one thing to say you're a specialist. It's another thing to make sure that you have the knowledge and the skills and the experience behind you to actually do the job well. And I think that's probably the biggest risk area is just making sure that you can put your money where your mouth is, essentially. (laughs) Very wise words. The other danger with some industry specialisations is obviously within the industry itself. So I was very lucky over the last 12 months While it was a very challenging time, we didn't have any business loss in my client group or any closures. But obviously, my friends and colleagues who specialize in other areas, hospitality, I have one lady I know who looks after beauty salons and medispas and things like that. That was obviously a totally different story in that industry. So there is going to be risk when you specialize. You want to be aware of that risk. If something goes wrong in that industry, your clients aren't going to be able to pay you. And as Brad said before, that's a pretty crucial part of your business. Kelly, you touched on something that I think all accountants fear, and that's been called out as not being a specialist or not having the mastery that we think we might have. Brad, you turn to accountants to look to advise and train them. Now, obviously, they know their businesses really well. So how does it feel going into that particular profession to become the master or to become an expert and specialise in that area? Was it scary? I won't say scary, but John, I think you're making an assumption that most accountants really know their business inside out. And I guess that's something that the accountants are privy to with their own clients because you can put whatever sort of appearance you want out there in the world. But once you sort of strip it back and ask some questions and see the numbers, there sometimes can be a bit of a difference between what you think things look like and what they actually look like. 
And so, you know, going into firms, what one of my favorite questions is, okay, so on your website, it says you do business advisory or you do business consulting. What does that look like? And it's more aspirational than actual reality. It's not something that's being practiced. With a lot of firms, you see, there are a lot of common problems, but I think a luxury that the accounting industry gets is sort of recurring work, quite a decent sized average hourly rate, which just by default gives you a good starting point for a business model. I just see that there's a great opportunity to make it even better than sort of just the run of the mill default and a little bit more exciting. So Kelly, you're working with medical practitioners. How do you prove your knowledge base in dealing with them as a specialised subject? I think it's quite apparent to most clients when somebody knows their stuff or not. Most people will test you out. Most clients want to know who else are you working with? What are you doing for those people? You know, I'll go into a a meeting on the first day of meeting a client and they want to ask me, what are the particular KPIs that should be relevant for my business? You have to be able to know that stuff. The proof that we sort of provide to people is essentially making it quite clear who we work with, so who our target clients are, and I can articulate that now very well. If you're going into a meeting positioning yourself as a specialist and people are asking you questions and you are constantly not really knowing how to answer or perhaps you're sort of struggling a little bit, maybe you're not ready to be right at the level you are yet. The other thing I think to mention there is that I don't know absolutely everything. I still, of course, have to lean on other specialists as well, as we all do, and there's things that I am not going to know. And and I have a friend who actually works in medical, but with a lot of orthopedic specialists. And I had to actually give her a call and say, hey, I've got a new client and I'm a little bit worried about this client. And can you just help me out and give me a bit of guidance here? You have to know enough to convey your credibility when you first meet your clients. And I think when we look back at both your journeys, it's sometimes knowing that we've got that wealth of experience. Brad, I like your example with the accounting firm that had 100 supermarkets on their books and they didn't even think they were experts in that area. So perhaps a fresh pair of eyes over your business can help you decide to make that leap into the specialist areas where you already have that congruent knowledge around what works well and what doesn't work well. One more thing I'll add there is echoing what Kelly mentioned about being a specialist There's going to be some sort of in-depth knowledge that you're going to know, and especially when you have that first interaction with the client where they're asking questions around KPIs or what do you see in the industry or even sharing other stories, you can keep them anonymous and it's still going to be relevant. So I still think a great approach there for a lot of accountants because they're generally not very strong in sales and marketing is use a storytelling approach. And so share a couple of stories with a couple of clients, obviously ones within that sort of niche or sector what you've done for them or what they're seeing or the sort of performance or the best practice that they're seeing, which shouldn't be difficult. We touched on episode six on data analytics, so making your business smarter. Now, you both use data analytics because we are accountants and we do specialise. Kelly, how do you use data analytics to help you in your business? Yeah, so having most of our client groups in the same industry means that we do have access to a great deal of data 
within, I guess, that industry. So it's really, really important to us to access our clients' data in the way that we can. Obviously, in health, there's a lot of privacy concerns and things like that. We access financial data, but we are also able to access other data from our client systems. So things to do with nursing, patient visits, non-clinical data, but average patient waiting time in the waiting room, things like that. So having access to a greater data set, both financial across our range of clients, but also beyond just the normal financial data is really important for when we deliver those advisory services. As we all know, data is becoming more and more important for accountants and being able to deliver advisory services and being able to pick up trends and look forward for your clients. So I think if you do specialise, you're at an advantage. You've got that data there. You're not sort of digging around and going to IBIS World and ordering reports and things like that. It is a lot easier to use data when you're specialising. And Brad, you also touched on data analytics and what you do with your accounting clients when you first go in for those initial interviews. But how do you think that data helps you position where that accounting firm should be going in the future? It's a very easy planning exercise. You know, we're able to to quickly calculate some numbers of where that firm is at the moment and then be able to share maybe some benchmark or best practice numbers. And it's just going to show the gap between where they are and potentially where they could be. And that's just a great initial planning exercise, which can then go into a business process improvement session and just some ongoing coaching. Just using that data, I guess, that I'm privy to, which a lot of other accountants, I guess, aren't privy to, and they're always interested in what are other firms doing or how are they pricing this or what are they doing? It's always a a golden question that tends to come up. It sounds like that's something very similar that happens with me. So it's almost like they see you as the insider. Having that data up your sleeve, you are quite in demand. I think from a data analytics perspective, I found really powerful is also leaning on other providers and suppliers to the particular industry. So I do a lot of work with other organizations that service the accounting industry, and they might be a lot, lot bigger than I am, and they've got a lot more data and a lot more people in-house that can take that data uh, and prepare some great insights. Just so it gets a little bit of a ninja tip there is you don't have to do it all yourself. They're going to be more than happy to, in most cases, provide it, or it'll just be general knowledge that's already out there, you're just, I guess, curating some of that for your niche because they're generally very busy like most business owners. Totally agree. When you do niche or specialise in an industry, you get to know the other players in that industry. On another level, I sit on the board of a health tech startup, which is basically data insights for medical practices. Personally, I was invited to sit on that board, not just because I'm a chartered accountant, but also because of my specialisation then. And it's been so good for my career development. It's my first board position. My specialisation is sort of leading me in other paths like that as well. So it's not just about what I can deliver for the client there. It's actually opened up some doors and giving me some great experience as well. What's your final piece of advice? My parting bit of advice would be if you're looking to specialise, look within first. So look within yourself and your team and within your existing client base because there's probably going to be some low-hanging fruit right in front of you that you're just not seeing at the moment. 
And I think the final piece of advice is make sure you love the industry that you specialize in because you're not just going to be the accountant. I know a lot about Medicare item numbers and health things now that I never thought I'd know. So if you're not into that, then you probably should pick a different industry. So my takeaways from today's session is to move from jack of all trades to a specialist by starting broadly. Do some planning, narrow down what you enjoy, find mastery through education and experience, find the clients that can afford to pay you what you deserve for the specialist knowledge that you have, find a mentor to help you, build your profile, seek out specialists to help you, and sell services that make lives better. And finally, get in behind the CAANZ Specialist Programme, just like Kelly's going to do. <laughs> Thanks so much, Brad, Kelly. You've been wonderful. I've learned so much today. I really appreciate you being on this podcast. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Great chat. Thanks again to Kelly Chard, founder and director of Growth MD, a niche accounting firm working with the health industry, and Brad Turville, director at Modern Firm Practices, who specialises in practice and business development for suburban accounting firms. Seeing as we're already talking about specialisations, make sure you check out the CA online courses for specialisations offered by CAANZ. Self-managed super funds, business valuation, risk, financial planning and forensic accounting. And we've also spoken about the importance of networking, so don't forget to head over to MyCA and join the Catalyst community. And of course there's some really fantastic resources that your membership with CAANZ gives you access to. It's also worth heading over to the CA Catalyst section of the CAANZ website where you can find practical resources like case studies and playbooks. Of course there's also the library and the tools and resources hub with plenty of practical information and great insights to support you in practice. And lastly, my personal favourite, LinkedIn Learning, which is free for CAs and can be tailored to your personal learning needs. This has been Small Firm Big Impact. I'm John Skoll. Speak with you again soon.